0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to Backable. Today, we revisit a classic episode where Tim sits down with Rhys Gorgle, founder and creative director of Melbourne-based creative agency, TCYK. In this re-edited and remastered episode, TK and Rhys delve deeper into the value and benefits a well-considered brand brings to a business, and how, through a thousand touch points, it can affect every aspect of your business and its interactions with staff, stakeholders, suppliers, and clients. It's a great episode. Hope you enjoy
1: We're very, very lucky today to speak to what I would consider and affectionately call in the hallways of our business the mad scientist, Reese. I don't know if I've ever, I've ever explained that to you, but I affectionately call you the mad scientist because you, for us, have been the person that has changed my whole vision around brand, the importance of brand, and how we should use it in businesses. Uh, Reese runs TCYK. The company you keep, which you can um, look him up and check out the links below, but it's a brilliant branding agency. Is that the best way to describe it, Reese? Because I don't think that does it justice, and particularly the experience I've had and the clients that I know you've worked with. How would you describe TCYK?
2: It is one of those things, you know, that elevator pitch is always <laughs> harder said than done. The short misnomer is a branding and design agency.
1: I say it doesn't do it justice because as I said, when, when we work together and, and come in, I I came from a very, very basic, I would say ignorant point of view of what is branding. And after the experience we had with you guys and The progress that we made in taking my vision into something that we can now start pushing out. And for those of you who are looking, um, this does not do Reese justice because we're still rolling out our execution in our brands. But I'd really like to delve into that today, Reese, because I don't think a lot of business owners understand brand and design at all. I think a lot of us that have come from technical backgrounds, when we get to this point, we just don't get it. And do you think maybe today we can talk a little bit, firstly, about how did you start here? Because you're a business owner and an entrepreneur, the same as same as me, but how did we get to this point in TCYK? How have you come to lead one of what I would consider Australia's leading boutique branding agencies? It's an incredible business and you've done some incredible work. How did we get here?
2: Uh, it's a very interesting question. I suppose like every business story, it has its twists and turns, but it kind of started out from childhood whereby there'd be certain experiences that... I would have that seemed to resonate more with me as as an individual. Whether it was physical spaces, whether it was products, whether it was um, TV shows, whether it was garments, it didn't really matter. But there were certain things that uh, had meaning or, or felt uh, more right to me, and I gravitated towards. And was something that was always kind of interesting to me was, you know, could I create or could I construct more of these things that I felt were desirable and wouldn't that make things better and, and not really knowing what that meant or what that was. And then through, I suppose, uh, education and vocation, you kind of find out about this thing, design, and that's about kind of creating things or, or, or seeing things into reality, you know, whether that comes from a brief or whether that comes from an internal desire. Uh, and kind of followed a fairly conventional pathway through that, through university and things, and then into industry. But as I moved into industry, one of the things that kind of struck me was that commercial aspect. So, not just the notion of doing the work, but how the work was done. So, what the environment was in which you did that work, what the team were like, how were they constructed, how were they motivated or united? What did you stand for as an organization that did this for other organizations? All those things were incredibly interesting to me, as well as just the commercial side of things in terms of what are the impact that you're trying to drive for other businesses? What are the constraints that you're working within? They're often driven by other individuals and humans. And so they've got hopes, fears, aspirations, and how can you tap into those things and help make them a reality as much as possible? And that kind of led me to starting The Company You Keep. The clues in the name, a little bit, whereby, you know, it was kind of born of the notion of a man is judged by the company that he keeps. So, keep good company. So, kind of ensuring that we surround ourselves internally and externally with people that are like minded, that have a shared value set, as well as the double entendre of, you know, the company you keep building things, companies that are worth keeping. So, things that are going to stand the test of time and have purpose, have meaning behind them.
1: In your own entrepreneurial journey, I'd imagine you would have started from sort of the rare space of thinking about brand first, because I think many of our listeners have probably found themselves a few years into their business before they're actually considering what is a brand. Was that when you started your own entrepreneurial journey, was that at the forefront of brand first or brand driven before we're worrying about the commercial aspects of running an agency?
2: Yes, definitely. But I think it's one of those tricky things with the definition of the term brand and what we're actually talking about when we talk about brand. But yeah, it was definitely led by what are we trying to create as much if not more so than um, the commercial side of the business in terms of what revenue we're trying to build or you know, what kind of return we're trying to get fiscally from things. It was kind of why would we create this thing? What does it stand for? How is it unique? What meaning is it injecting into the world? Um, where is it now, and where will it be in twenty years? All of those questions were fundamental and really, really visceral, really, really felt at the start of the journey, uh, and continue to be a guiding light through that kind of journey. As it's something that's evolving and changing as you kind of each day you you come into the business, and you know, with environments we kind of find ourselves in, like the moment with COVID, it's adaptive; it's not static.
1: You say it casually, but I don't think that's where probably 95% of businesses start from. I mean, you're considering that, which you'd expect with the type of business that you're running. But for average Joes like myself who come in and we've wanted to do a product or service and we built a few businesses, can you maybe give us the layman's terms of the things you see around brand that business owners don't quite understand? As I said, I'm a self-confessed or was self-confessed ignorant around a true understanding of how to integrate brand into the performance of our business too. Because I got a hell of a lot from the process around thinking of how we use our brand as a decision-making tool in our business and we use it now. But that was opened by you guys. For unsophisticated business owners out there listening, what really is the brand? For you, when a company comes in, what is it that you're looking for to start this journey properly?
2: It's really interesting and our industry or sector has not done a great job of clarifying things or making it transparent for people to understand these concepts and then to utilize them and I think because of that fogginess that 's where there's this misinterpretation around some of the language uh, to answer the first question around where's the biggest disconnect between external understanding of brand versus i suppose uh, industry understanding of brand is that the general understanding in industry is that a brand is a thing and I would say that a brand isn't a thing. A brand is an understanding. And so what I mean by that, and that's where the biggest kind of hurdle comes is that if someone thinks they're purchasing a thing, it means that it's finite and it's static and it's done and you can walk away with it. So I've done the yep. brand. I've, I've gone through the branding thing. I've got the brand. Okay, branding done. Yep. Whereas it's not that. Brand is an understanding. So it's how an individual understands an entity. And that will be an internal individual. So the business owner, how do they understand what they do and, and what that organization is? But it'll also be how the consumer understands that entity. It will be how the staff base understands that entity. And that's continual. You know, that goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It's not a thing, it's not transactional. It's kind of each day when you rock up, it's your attitude. That's part of your brand. Each interface that you touch a a person with, that's an expression of your brand. Each decision that you make, you know, whether you go this way or that way, that's a reflection of your brand. So it isn't one thing that gets done at one point, you get in a suitcase, you put on the shelf and okay, brand done. It's a continual bucket that you fill with meaning every day that you rock up to your business. And how do I start that when a a business owner or a client comes to us as an organization a lot of it is there already is a brand. It's just the, it might be subconscious. So it's not necessarily well articulated or consciously defined by that individual. More often than not, businesses are started because they feel they want to add this thing to the world. Sure, there is some entrepreneurial people where it's not that they want to add this thing to the world. They just see a commercial gap. There's a niche. Off we go. Bing, bang, boom. But a lot of businesses, you know, businesses, as you know very, very well, aren't easy things to start, aren't easy things to run, aren't easy things to be successful in. And so they require a level of effort and commitment. And quite often, that is driven by something more just than a commercial or monetary gap. And so where we start is by asking questions around trying to get to that little nugget that expresses why that person has chosen to do this or why these people come together to offer this product or this service day in, day out, when they can do anything else in the world. And quite often, there is a reason that is uh, really interesting and utterly authentic because it's completely you know theirs. That Then if you can distill that down and then package that in a way that the staff base, the founders, the C-level execs, and then the consumers or the audience can understand, well, then that's a powerful definition of that organization that you're kind of creating. And that's, I suppose, a very rough and loose way of explaining how we go from nothing to something.
1: No, and I want to respect that asking a silly question like, what is brand is not the easiest way to start a conversation like this. But practically, I think one of the things that's been glaring for me with a lot of the clients we've been working with, is the importance of brand exponentially jumps at key moments in the business development because even simple things like, well, we want to attract the right staff. Now, when there's five different companies to choose from at a similar size, what is it that gives you the advantage? What is it that screams out, you should come and work for us? There's some really interesting cases that we've had around businesses that went early on brand in terms of we're committed to creating something that as you said, will last forever, That is actually has meaning that we're expressing that we're going to invest in that. They cut through at critical moments so much faster than those that haven't. And for me, it's been glaring. I mean, we've seen hundreds of businesses now, but this thing, it can't be underestimated how important it is. And I think ignorance is one thing, but once you start understanding that, you actually know that you cannot neglect your brand. It's not a thing you can turn on overnight. You start with guys like you, Reese, but it's not something that suddenly you've got a nice color palette and a few choices to make. It is your reputation, isn't it? Yeah. Everything is a reflection of what goes into those 100 decisions you make on your business. You live and die by it at, at a certain
2: point. And it's the thing whereby even people who will um, say that they don't believe in brand or don't um, understand the power of brand, if you ask them about a precedent organization or precedent entity, regardless of what sector or industry that's in, they will always call out an organization that is brand-led and brand-first. And I think that comes down to, again, just this, this understanding of the term brand, because really it is an individual's definition or understanding of an entity. And so when you think about that, there's lots of different individuals and you can't control what's inside their head. You know, there's individuals that are your customers, there's individuals that you are your staff, there's individuals that are your potential staff that are somewhere else. And your brand is how they understand you is different to anything else. And so that is what you stand for, it's what you stand against, it's how you behave, it's how you don't behave, it's how you look, it's how you don't look, it's all these sorts of things. And when you uh, have a strong brand, it's because that is clearly defined and it is consistently presented across all your touch points and your interfaces, which is not to say that it's repeated in a mechanical way. It's reinforced as an idea and adapted to the interface. So if it's a a podcast, it's going to be different than it is if it's a website. If it's a website, it's going to be different than it is how someone answers the phone. If it's how someone answers the phone, it's going to be different to what someone wears. But all these ideas need to reinforce each other and feel contiguous. And if Mm. they are and they do, and that fits like glue, then the result is that the understanding of your organization or your entity in all these different stakeholders' minds is consistent. You've controlled that. Yep. And that's really, really powerful because then it's not like this demographic thinks that, oh yeah, you're just a commodity product. And then this other demographic thinks, oh yeah, you're just that really nice guy, Tim. And yep. then this other internal staff member goes like, oh, it's a cool place to work. You're going, no, I don't want it to be these definitions in these disparate people's minds. I want it to stand for having a duty to care for other people and provide opportunity for them. And if everything that I can put out in the world and everything that represents what I do as this organization suggests that, then I'm building a strong brand. And that's going to be extremely powerful because even when you come to the end of the day, when you look at selling your business, what they're buying is the brand. Sure, there's the tactical IP of how you might process something or there might be um, inventory or there might be machinery and things like that. But the thing that they can't replicate is the market perception of what you are and what you do. And so that's essentially what they're purchasing. So if that's strong and clear from day one, then that's an extremely powerful thing for any commercial entity or any entrepreneur.
1: couldn't agree with you more, Reese. I think where most people don't understand it is if you get it right from a pure commercial point of view, what you will sell your business for is so exponentially bigger than not having it that you actually have to invest into it early on. Yep. And there are obviously different variations of how deep you need to go. But I think once you start to understand it, it's more how far can we go with the budget we can allocate because we should keep investing. It's obvious. Do you have challenges with brands that you've worked with around the interpretation they have of the work you do? It must be frustrating sometimes to see brands that you see, but being one step removed after the initial execution. Do you find it difficult to see what that brand could be there or how people are interpreting? Is that a challenge for you with clients?
2: Uh, sometimes. Obviously, when you're dealing with startups, there's commercial constraints. Yep. And we're a small business as well, so we understand those constraints really, really well. And so it's about being a, a valued partner and going, okay, well, where where do we add the most value? And understanding that everything's not going to be perfect from day dot. Some of the challenges I find are not necessarily in, you know, maybe it's an interface isn't as refined as it could be. You know, someone's website yeah. isn't what it could be if it was invested in in a different way, or we had a, a role to play in it there's always chances for those interfaces to be refined and for you to make each of these touch points a truer reflection of your brand in time that 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 is something that is less challenging for me one of the challenges that i find is when we believe in an organization's brand more than that organization does that's i think when it's challenging when we see potential which is inherent in what we do as designers there's optimism bias you know it's about seeing a an ideal future outcome and being able to move towards realizing that. And so, because that's something you're doing day in and day out, you see that for organizations, for clients that kind of come to you all the time. So, when an organization isn't looking at their brand with the same level of ambition, the same level of drive, and the same level of optimism, and they're kind of pulling the handbrake on it that's when it can be challenging because you're like, oh, come on, let's go. You yeah, have yeah. nothing but potential. <laughs> you just do this, this, and this. Let's kind of go and realize that and let's remove those chocks or let's remove that handbrake and let's go. That is the thing that I find more challenging as a practitioner than yeah, a website that could be better or sure. an event that could have been more on brief. <music>
1: Tell me, what's the thing you'd love most about hatching these brands? Because I, as I said, I affectionately call you the mad scientist behind closed doors because you obviously love it. But what is it about the birth of a brand or the, the rebranding or the design process that draws you in? This is not a commodity for you. It feels personal all the time.
2: Yeah, it is. And I think it kind of comes back to that vocational pathway or the, that genesis journey for um, why I'm doing this. What I think is the most alluring component of this practice is helping to realize something that doesn't exist and helping to do that in ways which are refined and clear and authentic and accurate to the brief and and to what we're trying to do. But also that understand their place within a longer timeline. So, what I mean by that is the longer timeline of the history of branding and the history of design and and where we sit within that you know there's a lot of amazing people you know the the giants whose shoulders we stand on kind of thing but also you know where it can go so what the future might look like for this particular brand brief this particular project but also our legacy as a practice our legacy as designers um, and the next kind of generation all those things i think are really alluring components to the practice of design which are again heightened or fueled by the fact that they aren't static it is dynamic so you'll have different briefs from different sectors all the time so you're constantly learning you know it will be dealing with you guys, or we'll be dealing with PwC, or we'll be dealing with CCP. We're dealing with all these different entities from different sectors that have different challenges, opportunities, um, assets, equity to kind of then roll on with. And you get to turn on these different parts of your brain and deal with a whole lot of different people all the time. So, I think that's the other part that kind of keeps it fresh is not only this lineage kind of component, but also the fact that it's continually evolving and changing.
1: Are you constantly scanning for design in your life? entrepreneurs sit down and they're always looking for opportunity but does your brain just scan design like we were out for dinner a few months back and I remember observing you observing the restaurant because you're a foodie at heart too hearing how you described what was happening I never noticed like I'm sitting there going great glass of wine great food and then understanding how you interpreted which was oh, this isn't by accident everything's been set up for this experience. It feels right because it's considered. Every single part of the experience we were having at that restaurant was considered. And for me, coming from a very ignorant place, I just assume things just sometimes feel right. But it's not that at all, is it? Is that the essence of being on track with your brand that things start to feel right at all those touch points?
2: I think that's when you're starting to get to building a strong brand is when things are consistently feeling right. Well, they're feeling like they're singing from the same songbook. And so uh, when brands are strong and really good at what they do, you don't notice the mechanics. You know, it feels seamless. It feels deft. But it is this intangible just feeling about it. It feels right. You know, you can't articulate it. And I think this has been the challenge around the definition of the term brand and people kind of scrambling for what that is and trying to kind of pin that down in three words, um, which has kind of created a lot of confusion around the sector and around the the practice. But yeah, I I think this idea of feeling right. Or reinforcing a consistent belief system is when you're building a strong brand and you know you're on track. Like to take that example of, actually, I'm going to name drop them, Carlton Wine Room, uh, which we were at, shout out Andy Joy, was that you say it felt right. And so as a designer sitting there and kind of unpacking that experience, you know, design isn't necessarily drawing something or pixels, it's creating an outcome. And that outcome could be an experience. It could be a plate of food, it could be a glass of wine. And so why it felt right was every part of the experience you were having from the glass that you got the wine poured into, to how that wine was poured, to what wines were on that list, to what the list looked like, to what the typeface was that was on that list, to what the paper yeah. was, to what the music was in the room, to how high the stool was compared to the chair, to how the food matched it, to how the um waiter came up to you and when she came up to you. All of these things connected together as micro experiences to give you that understanding of that moment you were having. And because they were all reinforcing each other and nothing was out or off, you just had this feeling of it felt right. It felt good, which could be downplayed as not that important, but it's incredibly important because it means it's reputation that you're kind of building and going back there. And when organizations have a, a weak brand, to use that same metaphor, it would be like all of those same micro experiences being consistent except for the waiter comes up to you and is really blunt. And all of a sudden that would be jarring and that would be because it's not reflecting the brand because it's not a representation or a reinforcement of the values that you have felt through all these other experiences that you've had with this entity.
1: I remember um, it would be be over 15 years ago when Netta Porter was sort of a big new thing it might have been 20 years now but I remember one of the big brand differentiations that they had initially was getting your clothes delivered in a beautiful box and I remember it being everywhere on social and people it was basically an unboxing of everything that came and they're obviously just packaging other people's products and services being a retailer and then there was this big switch that everyone was then doing beautiful packaging but it's not the same because it's a single touch point of already 100 different experiences you've consciously or subconsciously had that led to receiving your beautiful box and the whole process that went through it. I think that's what people miss. It's not a single touch point at all. It's this compounding weight of so many reinforced messages that you don't even realize.
2: Exactly. And I think the, the, the root of all that is why you're making those decisions. So I think consumers, whether they're conscious or subconsciously picking up on this, to the point of Netaporter it yeah. was the reason why they chose to do that and that was altruistic it was this notion that we are a dedicated online only retailer this is our store experience so you can't walk into a Netaporter store yeah. so the first physical touch point that you have from us when you've you know handed over your hard-earned money is this box that arrives and how do we make that our store experience how do we make that a reflection of what a bricks and mortar experience would yeah. be like if we had that kind of asset or that kind of part of our business. And consumers picked up on that. They, they, they felt that. Whereas when other organizations just looked at what Netoporter was doing and going, oh, okay, well the standard is now that we have to have nice packaging. So off we go, we'll do nice packaging. Again, consumers, whether they're consciously or subconsciously understanding this, go, oh, well that felt token. You know, that didn't yeah. feel authentic, that kind of decision making process. Something that I was thinking about, knowing your like with Philodomo and yeah. like your heritage, the notion of, um, you know, the term brand, but also the term logo or logos mm. and logotype and 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 logogram and all those sorts of things, and being Greek in origin, it denotes meaning. And so, a logotype is a mark of meaning, yeah. or a logogram is a mark of meaning, but it's really about that meaning, it's that why, mm. it's that purpose. And it's the same with brand, it is the same thing, it's the why, it's, it's the purpose. And sure, there's a whole bunch of different signifiers, which are interfaces of that, whether they are behaviors, whether they are artifacts, or whether they are ideas or concepts. But really, it's this definition or this kind of meaning. And a lot of the time, that comes down to the founder. Even if the business is a multinational, mm. the idea or that purpose is kind of rooted in why the thing was born into existence by someone versus not. And I think that's a mm. kind of interesting part around our job is being able to tap into that. There was this spark that created this business, and and why did you do that? You know, you could have done anything, but you chose to do this. That's really interesting. Let's unpack that. And if what you're trying to do in your business is, um, you know, do something of worth or make other people happier or society better, then if we can lend our skill set to you to help you achieve that, even uh, at a greater scale, then great. That's kind of um, another part of the allure of the practice.
1: I agree. I, I mean, it was one of the original times when we knew it was time to seek your help and ongoing. When you're not looking at your own business and smiling, that was my thing is like, I know what we want to do, but this doesn't reflect what's in our hearts, so to speak. Yep. It's not a bad business. We just haven't got the essence out and it's time. It's ready to be born and it's quite an uplifting experience. And maybe that's where we jump to, Reese. which is what's a good relationship with a branding agency? What does a great client relationship with you look like? Because I think there's an element of trusting someone else with your baby to interpret what it's going to look like. To me, it was quite a confronting experience. Enjoyable, but extremely confronting because you actually had to admit what you're trying to do, (laughs) which just seems weird. But you actually have to make a decision about this is what we want to be. can't be everything. Yeah. People listening out here, how should they prepare for the right relationship to get the most out of you guys and the way you should work together with an agency like yours?
2: Uh, It's a very good question. Two words come directly to mind. So let's just put them out there, honest and empathetic. And I think that's on both parties, right? It's from our end as as a consultant, but it's also on the client's end. As their entity as well. And that's being honest about what you're trying to achieve and the timelines of that and what's realistic and how each other add value and where we're all at. And empathy, understanding that, you know, it's a journey that you're going through. I think those two ingredients make for really, really good agency client relationships and long lasting ones that kind of create really good outcomes at the end of the day. In terms of what We look for in a client and what makes a great client. A lot of it is around trust. Building trust is about rapport and it's about honesty and empathy because within branding and design, again, there's kind of legacy issues whereby people think that it is a technical or a visual craft and it's kind of bigger and broader than that. And so there's a level of handing over control to a middle space. So Mm. removing someone's, um, need to kind of have their their hands all over everything and kind of realize and put it in the middle of the table and we can all look at this thing and not associate (laughs) our identity with it and kind of shape it and turn it into something. And only when clients can kind of do that and remove themselves a little bit from that allows the consultant to come in as the subject matter expertise and to really shape it in a meaningful way. And I think what's important with that is that the client doesn't walk away from it. The client doesn't go, okay, I'm putting it on the table. Call me in 3 weeks. Because the agency needs to have that dialogue to truly understand why that person or why that organization is the way they are and what they're hoping to do. And that comes out through dialogue and it comes out through being engaged in the process. But likewise they need to not keep their hand on it because they need to let the consultant through their level of expertise which the client may not necessarily understand help guide them to the reality that they want to create through going through a process like this there is a lot of trust there because it doesn't exist yet you're trying mm-hmm. to create a perceived future outcome so you have to kind of go on that journey a little bit and that's something that you know our process has been really really enjoyable to kind of do that because there's a lot of Personal legacy that you 're putting into this brand, which I think is really really powerful it 's not just about you it 's way bigger and way broader, but there is a piece of you, a piece of your you know your soul that you 're kind of putting into this thing, and that makes it authentic and real and true and meaningful and allows us to do our job in a really powerful kind of way
1: absolutely, and I think this is what i 'm hoping for people listening and as much as I never want to make these podcasts editorials. My experience was life-changing in terms of the way I view the world has been changed, which is when things are not feeling right, I'm no longer looking for a commodity-type solution. I'm looking for the essence of what's failed. And obviously, we do that in different businesses from the practical point of view, but understanding that process with you guys, as soon as you muddy the waters around your essence, things don't work. No. I don't even know how to explain playing it in a way until you start to become aware of it. But when you understand the essence and you make a decision against it, they can't by the laws of nature work.
2: Yeah. Well, it's paradoxical, right? You're saying that you are one thing, but you're doing the opposite. Well, then it's kind of a double negative. It cancels each other out. Or worse, it drags it back. And if you continue to do that, well, then that's it's muddying, you know? And the, the problem with that is that it pulls you back because it, it creates this kind of vortex where you make a couple mm-hmm. of these decisions about where you're investing time, energy, money, all these things, where you're you're saying to the world, this is what I value. When you do that, that is counter to your essence or counter to the reason why you do what you do, well, then all of a sudden it opens the door to all these other things that are yeah. counter to that. And so you start doing more and more of that. And then it takes a long time to come back to this clarity of what you're about. And not only is this detrimental for you internally because of your decision-making process and that kind of taking you further away from your goals. Yep. But think about that in market. If you're unclear internally about why you do what you do and, and who you are and what you stand for and what's unique about you and how you're different to competitors and why someone should engage with you over your competitors, then think about how confused your staff are and, how, and then how they're <laughs> representing that. And then beyond that, think about the consumers that your staff are talking to and how confused they are. They're having to make up in their minds what they think you are. So that's where this real sense of protecting this clarity of this purpose and this meaning, this definition of what you're trying to do is critical because if you're not clear about it at the top level of the organization, then everyone else along that channel is unclear. And I think that's where coming back to the good relationship, it's an ongoing relationship, because day-to- day you're doing lots of different things. so yep. it's kind of making sure that you've got this guardian that kind of keeps you on track to this focus or this clarity and helps you with making decisions, whether they are staffing, whether they are investment-based, whether they are you know diversification, um, making sure that they are seen or at least considered from a brand lens, and then managed from that perspective.
1: You're so right and I think just listening to that, maybe that's why it's difficult for a lot of businesses to take a position in brand because you actually now have to stand for something because you have to reinforce what you want to stand for with daily actions. As you Mm -hmm. said, as soon as you don't have that, it's an inauthentic experience which essentially shatters the whole thing.
2: Yep, And if you don't, then the person that's engaging with you will make up their mind about what you stand for. So, you'll lose control over that conversation because they have to, you know, people will, again, whether it's conscious or subconscious, have to define you and you're defined by many things. And so, having a strong brand is taking control of that definition and making sure that you define that in as many minds as possible rather than let it organically be made up by all these individuals. And that's an incredibly powerful thing. That's really what it comes down to at its core is that kind of meaning and controlling that meaning.
1: I think what you just said there is probably going to send a lot of shivers through people listening. If you don't think that you're ready for brand or that it's an investment worth making, then essentially what you've decided is, I'll let others curate my brand for me. Exactly. Which is a frightening thought. I mean, would we let the public dictate our products and services? Yeah. I mean, that is a frightening thought.
2: A hundred percent. And that's where it comes down to being far more than just visual interfaces. It's far more than just colors and fonts and a letterhead and all that sort of stuff. That's just one touch point that distinguishes you from someone else. And the level of consistency in terms of how they are presented, well, that says to a consumer, your sense of attention to detail, what what level of quality you are. You know, if your letterhead is high quality, well then they think, well, you probably put the same level of detail into the product that you're manufacturing or the service that you're kind of doing. Whereas if it's not really considered, well then they're starting to think, well maybe what else don't you really care about or consider yeah. in terms of your business? And it's not to say that every letterhead has to be this fancy, fancy letterhead. It's not really right or relevant. It's coming back to What's measured and correct for that organization or that entity? What is that meaning and how best to convey that meaning through all these different interfaces? And I think the challenge that business owners have these day and ages is, is that a lot of these interfaces are far more dynamic and far more responsive. So consumers, they want the brand to be as dynamic and as responsive and as agile and as adaptive as soon as they aren't, they feel mechanical. Then people start to get a little bit cynical about it. They go, well, they're a bit mechanical. Okay. It's a big corporate thing. Trust dissolves. All these sorts of things happen. Even if you think about a YouTube channel, your video is on YouTube and the consumer is engaging it on that platform. And the platform adapts. You know, They pick up the phone, it's there. They turn on their TV and they're signed in. That video is there. It's adaptive. It remembers them and it's intelligent when they're engaging with your content through that platform, they expect that content to be as relevant, as adaptive, as agile. And as soon as it's not, well, then it's irrelevant, it's mechanical, it's all these sorts of things. And trying to keep pace with this stuff can be overwhelming for some businesses, which I think the challenge is not necessarily to try and keep up with all these different interfaces and do more and more and more, it's to do less, but to do it well and do it consistently. So that really comes down to ensuring that everything you're doing is reinforcing this yeah. clear definition of your organization and what you're about. And as long as it's doing that, then that's something you should do. Whereas if you're stretched thin and you're just kind of putting stuff out there going, oh, yeah. oh. That's probably doing more damage than it is good because you might get more awareness, but you're getting awareness with the wrong definition because people are kind of visible of you now. They understand that you exist because they didn't see the word um, BAS computers before. And now yeah. all of a sudden they're seeing the word BAS computers so that they're aware you exist. But their definition of what they think of bass computers is not pure, is not accurate, is not what you want them to think. So you've yeah. kind of got to step back rather than a step forward with that kind of investment.
1: It is a different world now, isn't it? The change in media, new media, social media and all that. I mean, once upon a time, as a smaller business, you could probably get away with hiding for longer because those messages weren't as prominent. If you had any sort of public imagery, it was probably through the newspaper ad or an article or something. We didn't have this constant stream content that needs to be produced by our companies. The reality is there is no choice anymore. You need to have at least an idea of where your brand is heading let alone understanding the touch points and the nuance and the decisions that go with it. It must have seen a a massive transition for you guys over the last few years of just what a brand needs to do and the, the role it needs to play in your overall business strategy.
2: Definitely. I think the diversification of the interfaces in which a brand exists in a current market has forced people to understand the importance of brand or start to engage with that. But I think it's still a little bit, I don't want to say it, it's infancy, but with the internet age and that kind of booming and every organization being a kind of content organization, down to the point of like having to have points of view on social issues, you know, that kind of question of does an organization need to come out with a position or a stance on a current societal topic or challenge? And I think that's a really interesting thing to debate because some people would say no, some people would say yes, but it's a kind of relatively new phenomena. It wasn't something that it existed in the 60s or the 80s or any of these sorts yep. of things. But now it's definitely very much in, in, in the psyche of society that businesses do have to come out with stances in these things. And it's only through the business understanding itself can it accurately come out with a position on these things. If it doesn't understand itself, then it's going to pivot and kind of do one thing or do another thing or come out and say something. But because, again, with the internet age, your past, your present, or existent all in one URL. People can unpack that and see that it's inauthentic, you know, that you're coming out with this stance, but six months ago, three years ago, you did this thing that was incongruous to that. So that's eroded yeah. all, all this kind of hard work that you've kind of put into it, which is that importance of it. Yeah, I definitely think it's something that is becoming more and more front of mind and more and more important for businesses. But I think one of the challenges that businesses have with this sector, as well as a role or, or a responsibility, I think this sector has in terms of. What it needs to do is help define it and help guide people through that experience rather than kind of just say, it's important. Give me the keys and um, I'll go away and do it. Or you know, give me the suitcase with X number of $100 bills and I'll come back with the magic. It's breaking that down and trying to go, okay, well, it isn't that. It isn't just the silver cloche comes off and here's the magic amazing thing. It's more of a process of understanding understanding why you exist and then helping to define those signifiers that then project that out.
1: Yeah, I'd like to share an experience I had with you last year prior to COVID and all the fun we're doing. But for me, this was, again, another reinforcement of why I really believe in what you guys are doing and the importance of our listeners to get in contact. For me, this was one of the glaring differences in playing chess, not checkers. You had an event sort of late last year where you invite some of your people around to break bread and have a dinner in, in your studio. And about you know three or four weeks earlier, I was invited to another business dinner. They went the other way, whereas they took us to a really high-end restaurant. And I remember sitting there and you enjoy all the food and you enjoy the experience, but I was enjoying the restaurant. I was enjoying it because who doesn't like a cool meal you know, in a really high-end restaurant? And then we had the experience that you put on. And I remember leaving that and I just felt like I ate with my family. I walked out feeling warm. I walked out feeling this wasn't another corporate get-together. I didn't walk out going, oh, yeah, it was a nice meal. Now what? It was something to reflect on because it's one of those ones you didn't want to leave. The way you were able to apply your brand to curated experience that I walk out of one of a hundred dinners you'll have in a business environment, yet I'm resonating with why does this feel like I'm leaving my family's home with that feeling compared to going to the most expensive restaurants in our whole city and feeling nothing. It was just such a lightning bolt moment for me. Like that's everything. That's everything about you guys. That's everything about getting it right. It's everything about understanding who you are in that person's lives. It's just a different game. It's so thought out. It's years and years of understanding what you're about. For me, it was frightening because I'm like, I know I'm not that in my business yet. And that was inspiring. I wanted to share that because to me, that was a lightning bolt moment in your area of expertise.
2: And for people listening, the event Tim's talking about is an annual event we do. Hopefully we're going to do it this year, pending <laughs> lockdowns. But we tie it to Thanksgiving. So that's the kind of event. And basically at the studio, there's big long table. We kind of take all the computers off. There's 56 chairs that go around it. And we just break bread. We have a bunch of different clients, suppliers, people around, and and we kind of have a big family style meal across the whole table. And quite often there's an art component. So last year, Justin Ridler had a projection in the space that was projected on a bulkhead throughout the whole night. And there was a soundscape and all those sorts of things. But I think the reason why it resonated with you, Tim, is if we go back to the Netaporter metaphor, it's the why we do it. You know, why did Netaporter? invest in this box experience versus why were they consumer or their competitors doing nice packaging. Yeah. And the reason we do Thanksgiving and the way in which we do it is really, really clear to us, you know, about what it is coming back to giving thanks and recognizing that this is a relationship and it is two way. And it's not about the, the corporate dinner at the end of the year or the, or the golf game or the free drinks at the marquee. It's actual expression of how deep we are thankful for that relationship and that engagement and the trust in which you have given us for helping play a role within your journey as a business. And that is personal. And so that's why it is personal in terms of the way that it feels. Another reason that we do it is it's about transformation and shifting expectations. So, you know, if you thought about, oh, Do you want to have dinner at some design studio? It's like, God, no. Do you want to have (laughs) reheated sausage rolls around computers on desk chairs? Like, that sounds terrible. But then when they walk into the space and it's completely transformed, there's this level of optimism or potential that's kind of opened up. It's like, whoa, my preconception about what something was is kind of shattered. Now anything is kind of possible. And so, injecting that childlike curiosity and that optimism and that ambition into our clients and into people's lives is really, really powerful. And another thing is just the idea of we like the people that we work with and alongside and and for. So sharing space and sharing time with them and getting them to know each other as well, not in a networky way where we exchange business cards, but literally in a far more organic way. If you're sitting somewhere and having a glass of wine and you want to talk to someone, go for it. These are the reasons why we're doing it. Whereas if a corporate entity and just kind of making things up, but if a corporate entity kind of hires Vudemonde, clears yep. it out and gives tickets to everyone and kind of there's a show bag at the end of it. Well, there's no real clear definition as to why they're doing it. But if there was, it wouldn't yep. be about just doing it a Vudemonde. It would be like, okay, well, we're doing it a Vudemonde, but this is why and you would feel that you would understand that and that would kind of resonate. And I think it's the interesting thing that you kind of make is that that's an expression of brand, but it has nothing to do with a website. It has nothing to do with a color, <laughs> has nothing to do with a typeface. And that's kind of, I suppose, the message that I want people to take away from this is that your brand is far broader than these touch points.
1: Yeah. And I hope that from our conversation today that people understand that even if you don't quite understand that it's not a logo and colors, that it is the ultimate competitive advantage. If that's all you're looking at it for. Not least of all being able to express what you want your business and your energy to reflect. But if you get this right, you can't compete against someone with a great brand because people already know what they're going to get because they trust it. The speed of the way things happen when you've got that level of trust in your brand, opportunities are easier. Everything becomes easier as soon as people can trust it. From our experience there and and talking with you is I think People have to explore this with you or whoever that they choose, but you can't ignore the personality of your business, which is expressed through your brand and hundreds of thousands of touch points, feelings, decisions, and all the things that get integrated into this one moment that completely changes an experience, which is what I had at your Thanksgiving dinner. Mm. It hits you like a sledgehammer when it works. It's a different game. Like you, you never see the world the same again.
2: And I think that's right. It it makes everything easier. Like Even down to the point of what we're saying before, it is how other people understand you. It's the definition of that. And so if you're controlling that, well, then you can ensure that that is positive and accurate to what you're putting out in the world. But you can also ensure that it's unique or distinguishable from the rest of the marketplace. So that's going to help you in terms of Recruitment, which is a huge issue for businesses as they start scaling up, trying to find and hire and and retain talent is hard. And that plays a huge role in terms of business success. And sure, you can throw money at it, but there's always another guy with more money. You sure you can throw (laughs) holidays at it, but there's always a guy with a bigger checkbook with more holidays. Yeah. And people don't really respond to that. They're for a little while, but you know, then that kind of gets old. They need to really buy into the, the purpose and the meaning behind something. And so if you can kind of define that and people understand that before they even step in your door, well, then. You've sorted out your recruitment pipeline. The same way with your consumers and your customers. If you've put out in the market a clear definition of who you are and what you do and how that's different to everyone else, you're so far ahead of everybody else in the kind of marketplace. And if that's consistent and that's a a positive kind of definition that you're putting out there, that's a huge sales strategy. It kind of sells itself, but it's only through the reinforcement of that consistent definition. Yeah which comes through in all the decisions you're making. So it's not about an external agency kind of having the keys and kind of doing it all for you. It's about them helping you shepherd your brand because at the end of the day, it is yours. And you're the ones that fill it with meaning. Sure, an organization like a design agency can come up with signifiers for that. It can come up with colors that are kind of going to give you a competitive advantage or represent certain values. They can give you typefaces that will convey certain sensibilities and kind of have certain practicalities to it. But it's the way in which you use those or it's a way in which... you know you decide to invest in this or that, and it's going to really help cement that definition or that clarity in all these different stakeholders' minds.
1: Bruce, I can't thank you enough for your time in the discussion today. And I'd like to finish up with a question which is obviously around in your business, but what do you hope TCYK is remembered for when when it's all said and done?
2: Uh, Making things better. (laughs) Yeah, I reckon that's the the simplest kind of definition, I think that's why we get along so well is kind yeah. of um, this notion of progress, but progress beyond just ourselves and our commercial entities, but progress for everyone else as well. So society, discipline, all those sorts of things, making it better, knowing that you know it wasn't the only thing in the world that kind of did this, but it definitely had a role to play in pushing things forward for individuals, but also yeah, the sector at large.
1: Reese, thanks again. I always enjoy our conversations and look forward post-COVID to having another dinner and um, talking about all things brand and business and life as we get back to normal. But for all those listening out there that have found this conversation interesting, I want you to trust that this is something you need to think about in your business. And you'd be silly, if not stupid, not to get in contact with Reese and the team at TCYK because at worst, you'll reinforce your thinking at best, you'll start to play a completely new game in your business. And this is the next step to the trajectory of success and building your business to what we would consider backable. Reese, thanks for your time, mate.
2: Not at all, Tim. Thank you.
0: Well, that's all the time we've got for this week. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Reese for joining us. We've included all the links to follow and contact Reese and the TCYK team below. Of course, you can head on over to backable.ai to access all the downloadables we put together. And if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and philotobo join us on our private Facebook group or follow us on one or all of the platforms you see below. And as always, if you like the episode, don't forget to share it on your socials so that someone else can too. It's all from us for now. Have a great week. Bye.